listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Virtual Church. It's good to see you, and this is Palm Sunday. It's the last Sunday in Lent, and it's the last Sunday before Easter. So I know a lot of us have given up a lot more than what we intended to give up for Lent. We didn't intend to give up coming to church. We didn't intend to give up going to work. We didn't intend to give up a lot of the things that we've given up because of the coronavirus. But here we are. We find ourselves at the end of Lent, at the end of our season that we said serve and be served. And there are a lot of ways in which we can continue to serve one another, even though we're not regularly meeting together. We can serve one another with our prayers. We can serve one another with our love. We can serve one another by reaching out. And I know a lot of you have, uh, are working in fields that are essential, and so you're still going to work. And I thank you for your service, whatever that might be. And I pray that the Lord would protect you and that you would stay healthy. So as we continue this series, as we end this series really, of uh, Serve and Be Served, our season of Lent, uh, our passages today focus on those traditional passages that deal with Jesus's last week of his earthly life. And we see uh, a lot of things happening, particularly in the gospel passage, Um, everything from the institution of the Lord's Supper to his prediction of uh, Judas's betrayal to his prediction of Peter's denial to Jesus's actual arrest and Peter's actual denial. And then, of course, Judas finds out that Jesus has been arrested and he repents and kind of gives the money back and he ends ends up dying by suicide. Jesus is then arrested And it's in Matthew 27, verse 11, that he first meets Pilate. And that's that's the bit that I wanted to focus on out of the gospel text. It was last summer that I was at a pastor's conference in Orlando. And one of the speakers at the conference was Chris Green, our friend. And Chris made this this beautiful observation about the, the characters that we find in the Apostles' Creed. So the Apostles' Creed comes in three sections. The first section is very short. It focuses on God the Father. The second section is quite long. It focuses on Jesus, the Son of the Father, Jesus the Christ. And then the last section uh, mentions the Holy Spirit. And it also mentions the church and the communion of saints and the forgiveness of the sins and the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. But other, other than God the Father, Jesus, and uh the church, the spirit and the church, the only people that get mentioned by name are Mary and Pilate. Now, Mary, of course, um, when she is confronted by the angel and she finds out that she's going to give birth to, to the Messiah, she responds with awe and wonder and uh, her response is, is thoughtful and it's worshipful. And she says some amazing things, prophetic things really, about the powerful being pulled down and about the oppressed being set free. 
In fact, if we look at that passage in Luke chapter 1, what we sometimes call the Magnificat or Mary's Song, we, we can hear in there things that later get played out in the life of Jesus. We see that Jesus was really taught well by his mother, that what she says comes to pass in the life of Jesus, and it his ministry kind of takes the shape of some of the things that she says. Pilate, on the other hand, who's also mentioned, is a tragic character. Pilate does not respond with faith or with awe when he sees Jesus. In fact, his response is really uh, quite, uh, uh, it's unfortunate, and, it, and it's, it's sad. In fact, it might, it might be one of the saddest things that we have kind of in all of Scripture. Because here's Pilate. He's the governor. He's the judge in this case, and he's being called on to say whether or not Jesus is innocent or guilty. The sad part about that is, is that truth is standing in front of him. Like what truth looks like in the flesh is the person of Jesus, and Jesus is standing in front of him. And instead of responding with awe or wonder or worship or being filled with with the spirit of prophecy, all Pilate can do is respond the only way he knows how to respond in these situations and saying, well, this man seems innocent to me. I find no fault in him. Well, that's not a response to Jesus. I find no fault. I find no error. As far as I can tell, there's nothing wrong. There's so much right. In fact, Jesus is, as I said, the truth. He's the answer. He's God's response to all of our problems. And we see this in the epistle passage for today, which is in Philippians chapter 2. Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, and he shares with them this beautiful poem. Uh, some refer to it as a Christological hymn. Let's look at it. It's in Philippians chapter 2, and I'm reading verses 5 through 8. It says this, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being formed in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I'm going to read just a bit more. Therefore God so highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now that's an appropriate response to standing in front of Jesus, to bend our knees and to confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the type of response that Mary gives, a type of response that we can give. And it's, it's different, of course, it's completely different than the response that, that Pilate gave. Pilate's response I find no fault in him, is so, so woefully uh, insufficient. So 
my hope for us today is that as Lent comes to a close and as we get ready to celebrate next week the resurrection, that all of us can be filled with faith, that we can be filled with the Spirit, that we can have a revelation of Jesus Christ and that we can bend our knee and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This passage of scripture where it talks about Jesus kind of emptying himself out, I've often heard that as that in some way Jesus kind of emptied himself of his divinity or that somehow it was difficult for Jesus to bend so low as to become like us. So kind of to quote uh, Chris again, I've heard him kind of uh, speak about this passage and I was really kind of persuaded by his thought. Jesus in no way ever kind of reduced his divinity. That what it means for the, the divine to be, to be in the flesh is the person of Jesus. And so that Jesus is always fully divine. And we don't want to say kind of anything other than that. But we want to also say that Jesus was fully human. And that Jesus is what humanity is made for. So I tell my students sometimes at the college, when I talk about the humanity of Christ, they, they kind of balk at it a bit because they imagine that somehow Jesus' humanity must have been different than ours. That somehow his divinity must have been kind of overcoming his humanity. But that's not what the church is taught. The church is taught that the two were one and that that there was no way in which his divinity was diminished and there's no way in which his humanity was diminished. So we don't want to start with ourselves imagining that we're the measurement of humanity and that somehow Jesus has to come down and be like us in order to be human. But rather, we want to receive the revelation of Jesus from the scriptures and realize that Jesus is what humanity is intended to be. He is fully human. And it is through our salvation and our redemption and the transformation that takes place in us by the Spirit that we too kind of become the fullest version of our human selves. That that's who God is. That that's who we see in Jesus. There's nothing about the Father that is at odds with Jesus. And there's nothing that is revealed in Jesus that is at odds with the Father. Now we can say during this Passion Week that Jesus would pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, Father, but yours. But he prays until that is the case. It's interesting that Jesus' prayer, let this cup pass from me, does not get the answer that I think he was wanting. If he's asking for the cup to be passed, for him to be able to avoid the, uh, the crucifixion, that, that prayer does not get answered in the affirmative. It gets answered in the negative. And, but he prays until he can say, Father, not my will, but your will. And I think that's exactly how we should pray too. That we trust in God and we say, Lord, I might do it this way or that way, but I'm going to trust in you and we're going to do it your way. And we want that to be the case so that Jesus becomes both the revelation of who God is and our very salvation. 
But additionally, Jesus also then serves as an example for us in the ways in which we should live and the ways in which we should pray. This Friday is Good Friday, and we'll remember and commemorate the crucifixion of Jesus. But part of that story is Jesus, while hanging on the cross, looked at those who was crucifying him, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So, once again, Jesus is God in the flesh. But Jesus also shows us how to be the fullest and truest humans that God has created, created us to be. And so I think his example then serves for us the way in which we should behave. So my hope is that we would be like Mary, that we would respond to the revelation of the coming of Christ with awe and with worship, and that we'd be filled with the spirit of prophecy that would speak out against injustice and speak up for those who are marginalized. In this time of the coronavirus, here's a way that we can care and show our compassion for those among us who are the most vulnerable. It's by keeping our hands washed and by sheltering at home, trying to stay safe where we are and not kind of just going out and mingling. Not just because we are personally trying to stay healthy, but we're trying to get all of us past this crisis. That's an act of compassion. That's a way of us being the church. That's the way of us kind of following the model of Mary and not the model of Pilate. God help Pilate and God help Judas and God help Peter who denied that he knew. So there's a lot of responses in these stories that are, I guess, negative examples Examples of what we don't want to do. Obviously, we don't want to portray Jesus. And we, we don't want to deny Jesus. And we don't want to reduce Jesus to just whether or not I believe it's right or wrong. We want to have faith. We want to profess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that, that's what I hope that we can do. That's what I hope I can do. And it's my prayer for you as well. Let's pray. God in heaven, we are grateful for you. And we are grateful for your love for us. Lord, we reach out to you today. We celebrate the life of your son and our savior, Jesus Christ. And especially on this day, on Palm Sunday, we remember the passion that he suffered. We remember his death on the cross. And Lord, we look forward to celebrating next week on Easter Sunday, the resurrection, the best news the world has ever heard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.